Hello, ladies. It's wonderful to have everyone here. It's great to see you all again. I just wanted to introduce to you Massimo and Susanna Molica, who have been serving the Lord in Italy now for five years. And um, they're going to come and tell us what the Lord's been doing there in the last five years. And uh, they have new plans, actually. So that's kind of exciting. So, do you want to come up? Good afternoon. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Massimo. I, I uh, was introduced already uh, this morning in Susanna. And here's a picture of our four kids. They are not here this morning. They're with my mom. But um, <clears throat> Alessandro is my uh, oldest. He's eight, almost eight years old in November. And Eliana is my uh, second. She is, uh, will be seven at the beginning of December. And then our twins, uh, Gianluca and Giuliano, and uh, they will, they are four and a half, almost five. And so, um, I'll let Susanna, uh, talk a little bit about what it's like to have, um, four kids that are three years and four months apart. Um, but before we, before I get going and start talking about ministry and telling you kind of where we've been, where we're going, um, <clears throat> I want to hand out, pass out some clipboards just for those of you that are interested in our, uh, newsletter. Maybe I should wait. You guys are eating. You know, let's wait. I'll, I'll, at some point I'll get them out to you. Um, but, uh, since the slide's up, I also have a way that you can sign up to get our newsletter that doesn't involve signing up on a clipboard. It involves pulling out your smartphone, if you have a smartphone, and sending an email to italysignup at gmail.com. You can just send it straight from your phone, italysignup at gmail.com. Put, subje- uh, put newsletter in the subject, I'll get it, and I will add you to our, our newsletter distribution. So you just remember that, italysignup at gmail.com. Um, let me tell you a little bit about us and... Uh, where we've been, what we're going to do, and challenges of ministry in Italy. Uh, we left for <clears throat> for Italy in September of 2010, and so our final prayer card picture before we left is the one you see up there in the in the top uh, left part of the screen from March 2010. We had two children, um, a, a two a two year old and a one year old, and um, and as you can see, our family has changed, uh, and it actually changed quite quickly after that picture was taken in an unexpected way, and my wife will tell you more about that. Um, I just want to say thank you uh, to you for praying for us. I know that you, uh, many of you pray. We get cards from some of you, and uh, you express so much interest in our ministry when, when we're back, even this morning. We're so thankful for your partnership in the gospel. Know that, that you take uh, the spread of the gospel seriously around the world. Um, and so we're thankful to know that we have uh, have you guys behind us praying for us. Uh, sometimes people come up to me and say, oh, that's so cool, you live in Italy. And I would never use the word cool to describe being a missionary. Um, uh, it's war. It's it's serious. And partnership is serious. And, and it requires being on our knees praying for the spread of the gospel. And so I'm thankful that you guys do that and show such an interest in, in the spread of the gospel. What, what took us to Italy, uh, what, what God was doing in our hearts even before we moved to Italy, was fueling a desire uh, in, in my heart and in Susanna's heart uh, that is parallel to what the Apostle Paul expresses in Romans 15, 20 and 21, where he says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. As we went through seminary, even before seminary, and uh, as we made the decision to move to Italy, it was a desire to preach the gospel and bring the gospel to people who don't have 
access to the word of God and to the to the the forgiveness of sins in Christ. And so our desire was principally, not only, but principally evangelistic to take the gospel to those who have never heard. And, and that led us to the country of Italy. Why Italy? Well, first, my name is Massimo. And so that gives a little bit away. I'm Italian-American. I grew up here in Southern California, like I mentioned. My dad was born and raised in Sicily, in Palermo. Sicily is the island that the boot of Italy is kicking. And uh, that's where my dad was born and raised. And so I have Italian blood. My dad's whole side of the family still lives there. And they're all unbelievers, uh, except for my dad. Uh, as I started to understand the country of Italy more, I, I, it, for, for many years growing up, it was just the country of where my dad came from. And it was the country whose soccer team I cheered for in the World Cup. And, um, and it was a pride of being Italian and having Italian blood. But as I began to understand the needs of the gospel, uh, there were 60 million people in the country with only uh, under 1% professing evangelical. It's, uh, it's very, very, um, very, very few Christians. 33,000 towns and villages with only 1,500 of them having a gospel witness. Now, when I say gospel witness, I don't necessarily mean an established church. Uh, it might mean a couple of believers who get together to pray in a particular village, but it's not. Um, and, and the churches that are in Italy would not really have any similarities to what you have here. Um, the average church size in Italy would be about 30 people. And so um, there, there's great need for people to hear the gospel. Um, it's the center of Roman Catholicism. I probably don't need to say that, but it is the, the center the center of where everything that is Roman Catholic comes from in the Vatican. <clears throat> the Protestant Reformation never took root. And, you know, we're about to celebrate the 498th birthday of the of the Reformation uh, in in the next uh, week or so. And uh, countries in Europe, some of them started to fall under the sway of the, of the gospel in, in Germany and in Switzerland. Uh, the Reformation uh, did not take root in Italy because of the presence of the Catholic Church. There's, there's many stories of, of, of the massacre of people who came to uh, believe in the true gospel of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Um, uh, if you came to these convictions of the true gospel, you would have been uh, driven out of the country, exiled, uh, or forced to escape. You would have been um, tried as a heretic uh, by the Inquisition um, and killed, or you might have been forced back into the Roman Catholic Church. And so uh, that's the history that uh, we're dealing with, the, the heritage of the Reformation that we have in Italy. Um, <clears throat> and, and because of that, evangelicalism is considered a cult, maybe in the same way you might possibly consider a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness as the way that we are considered uh, in Italy. Um, in fact, often I get the question, Massimo, what's the difference between you and the Christians? So to them, they're the Christians, because historically, that's, that's, what, that's their title. And, um, and, and, and because of all these reasons and more, Italy is known as the graveyard of missionaries, not because people go to Italy and die there, but because they go there and they come back to America, and lasting only five years or or you know a little less than than that because of the the difficulty of reaching Italians for Christ, and um, uh, I think I think the statistic I heard is nine out of ten missionaries come back after Irma help me out after ten years or after five years five. after five years so nine out of ten missionaries uh, uh, come back we're at the the five year mark and we're ready to go back so uh, we're thankful for that that's a, that's a God's grace. Um, what I want to do before I call Susanna up to talk about um, 
uh, ministry in Italy and, and challenges that she's faced. I want to give you a quick overview of what God is doing in Italy through the Master's Seminary, um, because the Lord has, has brought many people to, from the Master's Seminary into Italy in the last few years, or I should say brought people from Italy to the Master's Seminary, and then they've gone back. And I just want to put them before you so you remember to pray for the ministry in Italy and for these men who are in different cities in Italy um, preaching the gospel. You can pray for Raffaele Spitale. I don't know how many of you guys know them, but they're in Turin or Torino, which is up here in the northern part of the country, the center of Satan worship in Italy. Um, outright Satanism in that country, and, and the cult has a very strong presence. You can pray for for them. Uh, they're church planting in a very, very difficult city, trying to evangelize and reach people for Christ. Raffaele Spitale. There's Johnny Gravino, who some of you know. Uh, who's in Messina, and Johnny is pastoring a church in Messina and giving leadership to the Italian Theological Academy, which is part of the Master's Academy International, and he's also in a very difficult ministry where uh, where people have um, created various challenges for him, and so you can pray for Johnny and his wife Alex as they seek to spread the gospel and biblical ministry in Sicily, in Messina there, uh, right at the, the corner of the island. <clears throat> then many of you also know the Stanishi family, Lucio and Christina Stanishi, and uh, they just uh, moved to Rome right here where they're going to be working to start a church from scratch as well, uh, uh, working to plant a church there in the northern part of the city. So pray that God would bless and, and open doors for the gospel uh, there in Rome. And then there is also to go to the field uh, within the next year or so is Gianluca Polutri, who's here right now at the Master's Seminary and working on uh, various uh, aspects of his study. And uh, I think I saw his, his wife's not in here, right? Sonia? Okay. She was there in the, in the, uh, in the previous hour. But they, Lord willing, by the end of next year, uh, will be going to Florence to start a church as well from scratch. So what I, what I want you to hear is, in, in, even in our ministry, is many Grace Church missionaries are involved in the very important ministry of training pastors. Uh, for us in Italy, that's part of our ministry, but the principal ministry that we need to carry out is evangelistic and starting churches because there's no, there's no pastors, uh, there's not a lot of pastors to train. And so you need to pray, uh, for that. Um, we live right now in Perugia, in Umbria, which is, uh, right here. We're about halfway between Rome and Florence and, um, we will be moving by the by the uh, beginning of next year, though. But this is where we've been for five years. We've been learning Italian in Perugia. We've been serving in a church there, getting our feet wet in ministry. And I, I've been teaching a little bit at the Italian Theological Academy. But before I get into um, the kind of what I've done or some of the things uh, ministry-wise that I've done in the last five years, I want to call uh, Susanna up, and maybe she can just uh, you can come up and... Talk a bit. I'm, I have a few questions. I'll ask her, and then she can uh, she can answer them. We decided to kind of work it a little bit like a like a Q and A uh, to facilitate it. But um, Susanna, why don't you talk a little bit about first of all, maybe the unique circumstances that that you faced that we faced going uh, to Italy that uh, maybe are a bit unique to missionaries. I guess. Everybody probably has their own story, but ours was we had, we're planning to go to Italy. That was our, um, so that summer we had packed up all of our stuff, shipped it in our containers, um, got it ready to go. We're actually at, away at a school in Colorado learning how to learn a language um, and found out we were pregnant. So that 
kind of gave us a little, oh, okay, so how am I going to learn a language with a baby? I thought, well, at least for the first couple months, babies are pretty quiet. I can take them to class with me, you know, <laughs> take them to university. They shouldn't, like, nurse during breaks, and, you know, we can figure that out, I'm sure. that'll. <laughs> um, and then we found out it was twins. And so then we are like, nope, that's not going to work. <laughs> We'll have to figure out how to learn a language some other way. So, um, and that was after. So we'd already shipped all of our stuff. So I was hoping with the other two babies, I'd have enough baby stuff. Wasn't quite sure. We'd probably have to buy some stuff. And then we had already signed our contract for an apartment that we had we hadn't seen. So we were hoping that that would. We were just going to make it work because we'd already signed contract. So that um, God just redirects God. Put your plans and make sure plans how he wants and not how you want. So that was, I guess, first lesson. Yeah, so within a few months of arriving in Italy, we had four kids, uh, three and a half and under. So, and they're all still in diapers. And she's there trying to learn a new, a new language. Um, why don't you talk about some of the challenges that, uh, that we faced in the first couple years, uh, connected to the kids, but also just connected to a new country to help, help them understand how, um, some of the challenges that missionaries face uh, to help them better pray even for new missionaries that, that go to the field? Um, and I'm sure probably most missionaries would face a lot of these, but some of the things in the middle of all that, in the middle of learning a language, you're trying to just even figure out how to grocery shop. You're going to a new store where you don't know a lot of new different kinds of foods. You can't read the labels, so you're trying to figure out what the labels say. You can't make your American food that you're used to, or we tried to, but you're going to five different stores to find all the ingredients to put your one casserole together. So that's not very time effective or cost effective. So you're learning how to cook in a new culture. You're learning... On top of the language, you know, these new ingredients, you're trying to new, learn new recipes and having people over in your home to teach you how to cook. And then, you know, once you get that, you're trying to also, like, keep costs down and figure out what, how to make recipes not only new with new food, but then that are cost effective. And then you're trying to learn how to clean your house and everything's, you know, tile floors and we don't have tile floors, you know, what products and how to read the labels on the cleaning products and then, we went and we had, our apartment had no kitchen. It was four empty walls with a pipe sticking out. So we had to go and figure out how to buy a kitchen, you know, like what, how to put together a kitchen and a son, you don't get it, to be able to cook. Um, so, and then like with babies, we were at um, just trying to figure out medical system, trying to find a doctor right away. I didn't speak the language. So actually, Christina went with me. Um, Stanishi went with me the first several appointments because I most, I couldn't communicate. Most, um, most missionaries so. go to the field and start learning Italian or learning their language. We went and started trying to figure out the medical system in Italy. So. <laughs> we learned it. <laughs> um, and then like, well, also like at the university where we would go to learn the language, all the people I'm learning with are like, you know, college students. And so they're getting it and it's they're speaking and they're coming. And I'm like, I can't remember what we did yesterday in class because <laughs> I'm pregnant and, you know, you don't remember when you're pregnant, anything. So just, you know, those were some challenges. But um, I would probably say, too, like one of the um, 
big things in that first year, even after the twins were born and, you know, you've got three, four little kids that are waking up at night. I mean, I was doing good if I got a night with four hours of sleep in a row. You know, I was just, I was thankful to have, (laughs) that was a good night. So to try to learn a language and learning all this new stuff, you, my mind was just blown. And so for me, even just even try to pray was, I couldn't. I couldn't. My mind did not work. I'm surviving, and I'm trying to feed my kids and make sure they're not jumping off our balcony. And um, We live on the fifth so, floor. <laughs> um, so I think for me that year, really, God showed me or encouraged me just that other people were praying for me. When I couldn't pray, when um, it was impossible, things seemed impossible, and you're exhausted, you're tired, um, just knowing that, you know, you have friends, you have family, you know, all you guys, people are praying for you and they're praying in ways that you can't pray, that you know you should be praying, you know, for your kids. You want to be praying for their salvation and you have all these things you want to be praying and, you know, I just couldn't. And so it was a good encouragement, you know, the Lord just really showed me that the body of Christ, that's how you lift each other up. And um, so I think that year... Um, Seeing people praying for me when I couldn't um, was really, God used that to encourage and um, still does, but especially that year. when. Um, if I could add a thought on the whole language, this is actually a picture of the university where Susanna had to go study. And if you can picture, there's no chairs. So she's trying to squeeze in with her belly full of twins trying to, you know, we, we asked if they had a chair for her to sit in and they didn't have a chair. And so it, it was really, it was a challenge. Um, what, what, there's a study, um, actually, uh, Dr. Carlin Wendler, who's one of the Grace Church missionaries in Africa, he um, told me that there's a study out from Harvard Medical School that says when you're in full language immersion in another country, you, you need up to two extra hours of sleep a day uh, while you're doing that. And we were both getting by, you know, on about four hours, three hours a night for that first year and a half or so. And so it's been a challenge, you know, trying to make Italian stick in our minds because of that. But the Lord's been gracious. Um, is there um, maybe some of the, some other lessons that you've learned regarding um, ministering uh, to women in Italy or um, also maybe what it's like interacting with other moms uh, from the kids' school? Yeah. Um, the churches in Italy are... First generation believers, most people, not only in their family, their first generation, but even the evangelical churches there are very either weak or just they're not well taught. They're also, um, yeah, first generation. The believers are just now having kids. So these kids might be being raised in Sunday school, but they're kids. So there's not people who've been raised in the church in Italy, the Catholic Church, yeah. But so that makes it just everybody's very immature. Believers are just immature, and so you have to kind of start at the bottom with them, um, like kind of like you would a preschooler. You assume, kind of assume they know nothing about the scripture except for what they know from the Catholic Church, which is nothing. Um, so there's that, like parenting. Um, they, they, they're pretty hands off. If they do parent, it's very, um, they don't discipline. It's a lot of yelling for discipline. Um, or they just kind of let the kids do what they want. 
Um, so you have that challenge of when, you know, you're A, at school around these unbelievers and everybody's like, your kids are so good. I'm like, really? They're not. <laughs> but we try to teach them what the Bible says about parenting, you know. And so that's, I'm thankful for that. But even though, I mean, you come here and you see kind of how disobedient your kids are, but in Italy, they're like little angels. <laughs> because, um, so, um, but that that's a good open door just to be able to talk to people. And now that I can conversation, have a conversation with people, you know, the beginning years, there, was, there wasn't much conversation. But, um, so I'm thankful for that, but that is a challenge in the church too that you really, um, and I think also part of it is you, also kind of have to learn the culture and in the culture you have sins that are acceptable and sins that are not acceptable and so when women get saved there are sins you know you have to know the culture so that you can understand where they're coming from and they may bring this part of their lifestyle and just have no clue that it's wrong and so just how you kindly and tenderly and gently lead them and teach them and show them scripture and um but without you, you know, as, um, something you're thinking about? well, I'd say disciplining kids, you know, they don't understand that, uh, you know, let's not be angry with our kids when they disobey, but teach them they do need to disobey and why they need to obey, or obey, <laughs> they need to obey. And, you know, scripture gives parents that authority and, um, and parents need to, they can't just send them to school. That's, big part of the culture is, you know, at three, the kids go to school so the mom can be free, she can be free to clean, she can get her house in order, she can have time to herself, um, you know, and the kids go to school and that's where they learn. And so, you know, as believers, you're the one really that needs to be teaching them. And not that they don't go to school, but you need to be the primary one instilling those biblical principles into their minds and their hearts and so that's a little bit you know a lot of the even women at church are very excited when their kids turn three so they can get rid of them for the day (laughs) and you know have their free time which i understand but then you know schools school is important yes but there's just that mindset that they need to start thinking no i'm the mom and i need to teach my kids and i need to train them of what the bible says rather than someone else teaches them um, for the day and I get them home and I feed them and put them to bed. So I think that's probably one of the big, at least in my <laughs> circles of learning. Um, if, if you could maybe summarize uh, the cent- one of the central lessons or lessons that you've learned that God has taught you in these years, uh, how would you do that? And maybe give a couple specific prayer requests as to how, um, how these women can pray for pray for you specifically as a mom and as a as a wife in Italy. Um, maybe I'll say three lessons. <laughs> I think first lesson was I kind of said at the beginning, but you really have to be humble because you are you become like a little kid again. You know nothing, and so you as this thirty five year old, forty year old adult is having to ask four-year-old questions of people, so you get the looks, the stares, like, what? You're an idiot. You're stupid. Why are you asking me that? Um, so you really have to just be humble and be willing to um, 
learn, relearn everything. Um, so that would probably be the first lesson of just um, being willing to be humbled. And then the probably one of the other biggest lessons that we've had to learn, or I've learned as a mom over there, is just what you learn here, but I think it's amplified in a different country, is just entrusting your kids to the Lord. Um, over there, at least initially, you don't speak the language. And so when the twins were born, I couldn't communicate at the hospital. He was sick with the flu, so I had the C-section with the twins, and I couldn't talk to the doctors. I didn't know where the twins were for the first few hours. They took them away, and I was like, where are my babies? And so um, I'm like, can't you ask? Like, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We're on. So then just, you know, knowing, okay, God's, they're in God's hands. They're not my, you know, I don't know where they are. Um, so that, and then like Giuliano got sick after he was three weeks old. Um, we still aren't really sure what he got, pneumonia or something. So he's in the hospital at three weeks, which would have been, he would have been full term right then. So he would have been 40 weeks by then, but you know, tiny little baby and you know, they take him away. <laughs> and so you're just like, is my baby going to live or not? God. <laughs> so then again, just learning and trusting the ki- the baby to God. Because I don't know these doctors, I don't know this hospital system, I don't know, I can't communicate either at that point. He could kind of, but, um, so that, and then, like, after that, a couple years later, Sandro, our oldest, wasn't hearing. He wasn't, so trying to figure that out, taking a pediatrician where we can, at this point, kind of communicate, but not really. So just, again... And then trying to find a pediatrician that would actually diagnose and listen to us and work with us. So just seeing God leading us, you know, all the way. He led us to probably, I think, the best pediatrician in in our city. And then this pediatrician actually sat and listened and, like, worked with our broken Italian and was patient. So God just, you know, was kind to us in that. And then this pediatrician led us to a really good surgeon who took care of Sandro's, you know, immediately. When Sandra walked in, he's like, I know your kid's problem. So we were just so thankful for that, that God, um, so again, just seeing God's care and his taking care of and being the parent of our kids in a place where we just felt kind of powerless and out of control. And then I think with the kids schooling, you know, they're in a school, uh, you know, just the Italian school system. And so just really, you know, I'm like, I'm dropping my kids off with these people, I don't know. I can't really communicate with them, at least a couple years ago. Now I can communicate better, but, um, so I don't know what's going on during the day. You know, they're only four or five years old. They're not really communicating with me. So just again, just knowing God has to be the parent when I can't be. Um, and so just entrusting and knowing, and he's faithful. He's been good. He's really, he's provided good teachers for our kids as far as they've really been kind and loving and taking care of them. Um, so I think just um, Psalm 91, 1, 2, 3, seeing God is our refuge. God is, you know, you can take refuge under the shadow of his wings, and he cares for you, and he um, is that kind and loving father, um, even in the midst when we feel helpless. <laughs> um, and then I think the third lesson would just be knowing that this world is not our home, because after you live in another country, you start you know, we start being Italian. We start doing things like they do. I start cooking. I start making food. And I kind of forget what it is to be American. And so you come back here, and we walk into Walmart, and we're just like, I don't know what to buy. I don't know. What, <laughs> what am I? Th- this is so overwhelming. 
there is so many, there's so many choices. I don't know. And you know, like I've been out of, I've been in Italy, so I'm using Italian products and now my kids are here and I don't know what to buy for them. So just, um, you know, this world is not our, our home. You don't feel American, you don't feel Italian, you don't feel, and so you just start really thinking, you know what? The Lord is, we have heaven to look forward to, you know? We really are just pilgrims and citizens and soldiers fighting a war here. So, um, I guess those would be my three lessons. Great. Thanks. Those are actually good lessons. I'm glad you, you spoke about those because it reminds me of lessons that we're still learning as we, you know, as we, as we uh, walk through this, I want to show you now. Um, <clears throat> let's. Uh, I was going to tell you a little bit about what we've done in the last five years, but let me just cut to the chase on it. We spent time in a church in Perugia named Centro Evangelico Battista. Here's a picture of me preaching in the church. It was founded by American missionaries uh, about 40 years ago. It's provided a great opportunity to get our feet wet in ministry, counseling, discipleship, evangelism, children's ministry, preaching, men's ministry. We've done a little bit of everything, which in, in retrospect was God also taking care of, of our formation for ministry in Italy, because there's certain lessons that you can only learn uh, in, in Italy that are difficult to learn at at, uh, in seminary or even at Grace Community Church. Um, uh, just uh, God requires a, a very specific type of instrument for Italy. And, you know, some of the things we've lived through, both that Susanna mentioned, but also just uh, in our church life, there's been a lot of uh, uh, conflict and things we've been able to see. And honestly, the elders here at Grace Community Church do such an effective job uh, uh, taking care of the church and leading the church. There's very minimal conflict that comes out. And so we've I've learned we've lived through those kind of things. Um, let me uh, uh, maybe show you a few um, uh, thoughts that I have uh, will help you understand the, the Catholic context that we minister in um, before I get to kind of what we're going to do in the future and ask you to pray for us. Um, one of the things I do as I go throughout Italy is I, I take pictures of things that kind of strike me about Catholicism that um, are shocking sometimes. And so this is one of them. Uh, this would be Mary hanging on the cross with Jesus. Um, you guys perhaps are familiar with the, the Catholic doctrine of Mary as the co-redeemer. I'll quote Pope Leo here, the thir- uh, Leo the Thirteenth. He says, "When Mary offered herself completely to God together with her Son in the temple, she was already sharing with Him the painful atonement on behalf of the human race." At the foot of the cross, she was a co-worker with Christ in his expiation. Interesting, in this image, she's actually on the cross, not at the foot of the cross. She was a co-worker with Christ in his expiation for mankind, and she offered up her son to the divine justice, dying with him in her heart. And so this, uh, Mary Olatry, the, the, the worship of Mary is a very prevalent and common thing in Italy. Uh, in fact, some people will realize the sham of the Catholic Church, the, the, the sacraments, the priests, the doctrine of purgatory, the praying to the saints, they'll leave it behind. But I've noticed with some people a, a particular fixation with Mary that even after they reject all of that, they still have to pray to Mary and they continue to pray uh, to her. Um, Here's a picture I took uh, of a prayer um, to, uh, actually this is the patron saint of Mexico, but it's translated in Italian here and it's given as an example prayer of a, in a church in Rome to Mary. And I want to translate this prayer for you um, so you kind of get the, the picture of the, the degree to which they depend upon and worship Mary. This is a prayer to the perpetual Holy Virgin Mary from Our Lady of Guadalupe. And she prays, O sweet mother of God, true and only, of him who is the author of life, Lord of heaven 
and earth. You were so kind to manifest yourself to the humble Juan Diego. Juan Diego would be somebody who received a vision of Mary. You were so kind to manifest yourself to him, telling him how tender your love is towards your children and how great your compassion is toward those who, who love you and call upon you. I, your small child, ask your powerful help and place in you, my dear mother, all of my faith and my hope, sure that you will want to answer and hear, hear and answer the tremblings of my heart. I desire, Holy Mother, to offer to you my life and to consecrate to your immaculate heart myself, my loved ones, my country, and the whole world. And so uh, you, you get, she's not just asking Mary for some request. She's placing all her faith and hope in, in Mary. And uh, this is very common uh, in Italy. <clears throat> These, uh, this picture right here is a common picture. These are the holy steps in Rome uh, where Catholic pilgrims come from all over the world and they climb up the steps. These are supposedly the steps that Jesus walked up when he went to trial before Pilate. In the Gospels, they brought him back from the Holy Land, supposedly, and now they are stained with drops of Jesus' blood, supposedly. And so they, the pilgrims go and pray at each step as they pray uh, for their relatives to get out of purgatory and to have less time in purgatory, um, which is where you would go if you're a faithful Catholic. Uh, you would go to purgatory when you die to, to be purified and suffer uh, for your sins. <clears throat> um I want to tell you a little bit now. These are just some things that have captured my attention over the um, over the years. But what I really have as a burden to, to bring before you now briefly is our future ministry in Italy. We've been in Perugia in central Italy for five years, as I said, kind of getting a base from which to minister from, uh, learning in ministry, learning Italian. And uh, we've made some decisions along with the elders here at Grace Community Church in the last few months to move to a new city, uh, Genoa, Italy. In Italian, we say Genova, um, to start a, a work in a new church planting ministry. Uh, it's right there uh, where the where the city where the peninsula turns towards France. It's the 600,000 people in the city, and it's the sixth largest city in the country. And so it's a very big city with minimal gospel witnesses. We've looked and done research in the city. There's a couple Pentecostal churches and some other churches, but nothing even remotely uh, close to where we would line up um, doctrinally uh, or, or nothing that we would probably put the title healthy church on. And so there's a great need for these people to hear the gospel, and there's a great need for for a, a sound local church in this city. And so um, uh, we're going to be going there, Lord willing, to start a church. Here's a picture of the city. It's a port city. It's the city where Christopher Columbus uh, is from. And so you, what I want you to see is I'm going to just go through a few pictures here as I, as I close is um, how densely packed the city is. It's a very densely packed city. Um, uh, and in this picture alone, I could probably pick out four or five Catholic churches. Here's the city center. And so you just get, it's a very uh, historic, proud-looking city. And um, we're not, thankful we're not going to be going alone to the city. There's no believers there that we know of that, we're, that are waiting for us. So principally, we're going to be doing an evangelistic ministry to start with. But we're going to be working alongside Matt and Johanna Johnston. Uh, Matt uh, Johnston is a graduate of the Expositor Seminary in Florida, uh, where uh, Pastor Jerry Rag is the pastor, um, and Matt has been in Italy for a, a couple of years now, and we're going to be working together to start uh, a church in in Genova. And so um, I would ask you to to pray for us 
In fact, as Paul says in Romans 15:30, I would appeal to you to strive together uh, with us in your prayers to God uh, on our behalf. Going into a city to church plant is not like going to a city where there's already some kind of church going. Uh, we're going into an isolated situation where we don't know anybody, um, where except for the Johnstons, who are already there. And uh, we have to see people come to Christ. And so we're asking God to bring something out of nothing, and uh, which is okay because that's what he's done th- uh, throughout all of history. Um, um, but we need you guys to strive together uh, uh, with us in your prayers to the Lord. And so here's some uh, specific prayer requests. Um, I just realized I didn't pass the uh, clipboards, but if you want to sign up afterwards, you can come uh, put your email uh, down on the list. Um, pray for, for us. I'm actually going to take a trip to Italy in December. We're, we're here in the States for a couple months and trying to get our family back into Italy. And, and, uh, I'm going to take a trip to Italy in the beginning of December for two weeks to try to find housing for our family so that when we go back, Lord willing, at the beginning of 2016, that uh, we'll already have housing that we can move to from our current city. So please pray that the Lord would give me success in that trip. It's not easy always to find housing that's works for a family of six. And so please pray that God would, would bless that trip and, and open a, a door for suitable housing for us in, in, um, in early December. I'm going from the, for the first two weeks. Um, pray for God to prepare people for himself, uh, in, in Genoa. Uh, pray for God to open a door for the gospel. We're going there and we're praying and trusting that God has his elect there. So pray that God would open a door for the gospel. And pray that the Lord would make us bold evangelists. Uh, like, like, uh, like you at times, we can struggle with the fear of man and uh, really the boldness to preach the gospel, especially in the Italian context where there's no other people that believe like you do, requires a spirit-created boldness. And so I ask God to do that in our hearts. And, um, and pray for protection from the enemy's attacks. And I just say mainly... Um, spiritually, you know, missionaries come back from Italy typically because of discouragement. And so pray that God would protect us from, from the ways the enemy tries to discourage us and get us out of ministry, uh, there. So we'd be thankful for your prayers. And, um, again, you can send a new, uh, email to Italy sign up at gmail.com if you want to get our newsletter or come sign up afterwards. And, uh, I don't know that I've left many, much time for questions. Um, are we going a few minutes? So maybe if, yeah, maybe one or two questions. Dolores. Yeah, the, depending on the city you live in, uh, we do face discrimination in that sense. So yeah, even to speak for Lucho's specific situation, who's in Rome, he was turned down 10 times on apartments because of uh, trying to find a place for his family. That's unique. It doesn't happen to everybody. But when you don't have an Italian job contract and you're paying rent for a big family, they want to see some kind of financial security. And if you don't have a job contract, I mean, they can get a letter from Grace Ministries International saying they'll pay him this much every month. That doesn't, that's not <laughs> adequate. And, and it's similar when you're looking for a place for a church, um, that, uh, yeah, there, because of the Catholic setting, there is, a, there is a, often a strong discrimination against non-Catholic groups, whether you're Protestant or, you know, whatever, but particularly Protestant. Yes? I have a question for Susanna. Yeah, the, the Italian women, m- most families are rely, they're dual income. And so when Susanna was alluding to women kind of wanting to relax from their kids, uh, 
in the city we live in, that is the case. It might be different when we go to Genova because a lot of women, they have one kid, they have their first child when they're late 30s, 40s, they have a child, um, and then they try to get back to work as soon as possible so that they can maintain that job because jobs are at a premium. And so as soon as they can pass their child off, they, they, they do. Is there one other? Yes. Yeah, that's, those are actually conversations Matt and I are having right now, um, as we talk from a distance. Uh, evangelism is going to look like a lot of things. I, I think initially our, our primary concern is to get ourselves in the context where we can just get to know people and creating whatever that looks like. Um, uh, teaching English could be something that would be useful uh, in that, um, getting to know our neighbors and uh, the people that our kids come into contact with. But also starting like a Sunday afternoon Bible study, because the reality is when you're living in an isolated situation, you don't want to play church and like in the sense like, okay, Susanna and kids, I'm going to preach to you a 45 minute sermon. But at the same time, we're in an isolated situation and we need to grow spiritually as well. And so just being having a Bible study in and of itself is really important. And that's something that can become a center point or a hub for which God can work in other people's lives. And so we're, we're working through, yeah, various ideas for cold evangelism. Going door to door in Italy is difficult because there's locks on the apartment buildings. And so it's hard to get in, but you can, um, you can go out in public in the, in the squares and, and distribute tracks and talk with people. Uh, I think from my experience that the principal way people are going to come to a knowledge of Christ in Italy is through us working hard at getting to know people and and seeing God use that as a as a platform. But we're not we're, we're open to many different approaches. But yeah, yes. No, I spent I spent a, a lot of a lot of time at the university in private lessons. You know, as Susanna said, because of our family situation, all of all of our plans were to go to the university in Perugia has a very good university. With the pregnancy, with the twins and the child, all of our language learning plans went you know down the tube, and we had to come up with something new. And so we did private lessons a lot, private tutoring. Um, and in fact, we'll probably when we move to Genova, we'll probably try to continue some kind of private lessons. Um, Kevin, Jill's husband, uh, has recommended even for a lot of missionaries that you spend up to 10% of your time for the rest of your life <laughs> working on the language. And so uh, we're still, we're getting better. I can preach and teach in Italian, but there's just still things that you got to grow, grow in. Yes. Homeschooling is legal, but nobody does it. And so uh, you looked on very strange uh, if you homeschool. We're already looked on strange because we're evangelicals. Um, but, you know, we're homeschooling right now here in the States just because it was the only option we had available to us. And so, um, yeah, we'll see if that happens or not. Yes. No, no, you can't go to a regular bookstore and buy a, a Protestant Bible. Um, you know, the Catholic Bible has the apocryph- apocryphal books, so it's a bit different. But they're right, I mean, you can order them on the internet, and there's, there's Christian evangelical bookstores in some of the bigger cities. And so, and there's, there's, that's one thing in Italy that's really growing in the last 10 or 15 years is evangelical publishing and good translation work of good resources. And so you can get your hands on a Bible, um, fairly easily. Not wasn't always that way. That the Bible was outlawed until like the 1860s in Italy. So, yes. Yes. Yeah, there are Muslims. Uh, we don't run into them that often, um, but they're there, and that's going to become more and more a common thing. Yeah. 
They're like the Protestants. I mean, right now, you, we, we live in theory and religious freedom in the country um, in terms of legally. Um, do they face discrimination like we do? I'm not, I, I'm not sure how to answer that. Okay, maybe one more question and then, um, uh, yes. In ter- I mean, persecution comes in various forms. Uh, in terms of like people like hitting us, no. Um, but in terms of people rejecting us and, and distancing themselves from us relationally, yes. And that happens pretty common, uh, pretty frequently in terms of, you know, they find out you're evangelical and they probably have one conversation with you and then they might just disappear um, out of your life. So, Yes, yes. There you go. Italy sign up at gmail.com. Italy sign up at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your questions. I hope this has been a helpful time for you to understand kind of what we face and how you can pray for us more. I'm so thankful that we were able to have you guys come today. Thank you for being so willing. And it was great to hear from the ministry side. And also, Susanna, thank you for sharing, you know, just what the Lord is teaching you and you know, just what you've learned from being in Italy and what the culture is like there. That's always interesting. So we're going to go ahead and pray for Massimo and Susanna, and then you're all excused, okay? Lord, we thank you for this day. Uh, thank you so much for Massimo and Susanna and their their dear children. And um, thank you for just the work you've done in their hearts and in the hearts of those people back there in Perugia in the last five years, Lord. And and I'm sure that they've been a light and a witness and a testimony just in the church they've been involved in there, Lord. And um, we see that you've brought them through uh, some difficulties, but you've taught them so much through that. And we know now as they go on to Genoa, Lord, that they are more wise and um, just more able to love the Italian people and to be a light to them, Lord. And we just pray that you would bless them as as they go on there, and um, just pray that you would help them to to have love for these people who I'm sure at times are very un, unlovable, and just pray that you would uh, open the eyes and hearts of many of these people there in Gen- Genoa that you would have to, to be a part of your church, Lord, and uh, just pray that you would uh, just provide just some leaders for this church, Lord, please, um, and families, and just so that it won't be um, the the Johnstons and the Molikas by themselves for a long time, Lord. We just pray that you would encourage them by, by working in the hearts of people there right away and drawing them into your church, Lord, and helping them to, to become strong believers. And Lord, we pray for Susanna and Massimo. We just pray that you would provide a place for them to live there that, that would be affordable and also would be um, a good location. And please provide also whatever they're looking for to be a church where they could meet, Lord. And just pray also for their relationship with the Johnstons. We just pray that you would give them love one for another, that the team there would just... Um, be full of unity and that they would be submitting to one another out of love and that that would just be such an encouragement to them as well as they're going on to this strange town. And Lord, we just pray also that you would give all four of them and even their children boldness to tell others about you. 
and just to be a light. And we just pray that you would protect them from, from evil there and from harm and also from depression or sadness or discouragement, Lord. Just pray that you would uh, help them to be in your word and just to be encouraged through that and to trust in you. And, Lord, we just pray also that you would guide them and show them your will in this and uh, just give them wisdom in, in all of their decisions, we pray, and just provide for them too, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.